Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, hello, hello, everybody. It is wonderful to be here, um, to be with you and to see you. And thank you for joining us online tonight. We are heading into our missions week. And as Pastor Chad said, um, it's a really important week for our church, not just because it's like on the calendar and it takes up space, but because it's celebrating something that is so important to us. And so today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be talking about some scripture. If you want to pull out your phone and use your Bible app, you can find the notes there um, and the scriptures as well. But uh, missions is very scripture-based, so there's going to be some some Bible reading tonight. Um, You know, all through the year, like Pastor Trad said, we do a lot with missions. And sometimes maybe it looks like nothing's happening because we're not talking about it from the stage, but there is always work happening overseas as we love the world. But then there's also always stuff happening right here as we love the 419. And as we take a pause this week and as we refocus, because it's a vital part of what we do, It is good to learn a little bit about what missions is and then what does missions look like here at Calvary. And once we kind of break those things down, then we're going to dig in a little bit more to see why it is so important to us as a church. So I thought first, let's unpack what missions means. When we say missions, what exactly are we talking about? Uh, If we talk about missionaries, what does that mean? Who are we talking about? And so we looked up missions And here's what it tells us in the, you know those dictionaries, those paper ones? You can find them online now. It's very clever, very clever. So a specific task with which a person or a group is charged is a mission. Or a calling, a strong inner impulse towards a particular course of action, especially when accompanied by a conviction of a divine influence, or maybe a divine influencer. And so that is what mission is. Here's some synonyms to kind of help us frame it, to understand a little bit. It's an assignment, it is a charge, and it is a job. Those are other words that we can use for mission or missions. And in the scripture, we see Jesus telling us all the time to tell others about Jesus, to share our faith. So he is giving us a charge. He's giving us an assignment. Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others. So missions is God's assignment to us, to me, and to each one of you sitting here, to each one of you watching. And so our mission, our charge, our assignment is to tell others of his goodness, to tell, him, to tell them of his mercies, to tell them what life change can be like when we have Christ in our life. You know, a lot of times when we use the word missions, we refer to people who like live in far off lands or go to far off places. And so I think for many of us, when we say missions or we see that word, we automatically think of people who live like way over there, somewhere else on the map, not right here. But when we read through these, these verses, nothing says like missions is just for people who live on the other side of the ocean. And so we've gotten used to thinking that, but when we read scripture, let's go to Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. 
It says here, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And um, for most of us, for a lot of us, those sound still like far-off places, don't they? If you've had a chance to go with Pastor Chad and the church to Israel, those places might seem a little more familiar. But for many of us, they are still a location on a map that is far away. So let's talk about what these words meant. So when Jesus was saying these things, or when they were saying, when Paul was saying these things, he was talking in a context, like they were right there. They were in those places. So those Jerusalem, Judea, those places weren't far away to them. So let's look and see what they mean to us today. So Jerusalem, this was their home. This is where they were. So for you and for me, this would be, where do we live? This would be the people that we spend time with, maybe those that you work with. Maybe it's your family, your immediate family, your extended family, your neighborhood, your community. That is your Jerusalem. And then when he says to go to Judea, Judea is similar to like a state for them. So it refers to kind of a larger region, a bigger area of space. So someone would maybe say like go to, you know, Ohio or the tri-state area and kind of a larger region of space. And so that's where he was calling them to go. And then Samaria, this one's a little bit harder because Samaria, at that time, the Jews avoided it at all costs. They did not like going. It made them very uncomfortable. And so this is what takes us outside of our comfort zone. The other two are kind of more like locations, like a place you could actually draw on a map. I think this one is a little bit more about the things that make us a little shifty in your seat. You know what I mean? Maybe it's a place, maybe it's uh, a group of people who have a different culture than you that we don't understand. And so these are the places that we're called. And then the end one, as if, if, if those don't count enough for you, the end one is to the ends of the earth. So that includes everywhere else. So there's really no way to find a loophole. Do you see how he closed that loophole up right at the end? He just covered it all. And so this makes missions our assignment as Christians. And the destination is everywhere, both here there around the world. And so if that's what missions is, then let's look at what missions looks like here at Calvary. Um, We divide our missions into two groups. We talk often about loving the 419 and love the world. And so those are the two different groups that we kind of divide the the different missions and outreach into. You know, I was thinking about these two groups and how they like come together. And as I was thinking about it this week, it kind of reminded me I don't know if you'll remember this, but there was a sandwich long ago at McDonald's. And if you're too young, you don't remember, and that's okay. But if you remember it, do you guys remember this? The McDLT. I'll explain it for those of you who were born after 1990 or so. So so the McDLT came with two sides. This, I think it stopped being made because they used a lot of styrofoam to do this. (laughs) But over here, this was where they kept the hot part of the sandwich. Over here is where they kept the cool part of the sandwich. And so the idea was when you got it, one part was hot and one part was cold, and you put them together. There was, I remember, I have this very vivid memory of being a child and being at Southwick Mall. Again, if you're too young, you have no idea what that is either. It was down yonder. And that was where my family did a lot of shopping. We were probably like school shopping or getting new clothes or something for school. And I remember going to the McDonald's that was inside the mall And I have this very vivid memory of my mom carrying this tray to our table with one of these on the tray. 
I don't think it was for me. I think it was probably for like my parents, my mom or dad or something. And, but I remember thinking, we have a family, we have arrived. We have that really cool sandwich that you take the container apart and you put it together. And when you put it together, it makes this glorious sandwich. And it kind of reminded me of Love the World and Love the 419. Those are our two missions, our two outreaches. And when you put them together, you've got this glorious outreach program, this glorious missions program that we get to be a part of here at Calvary. You know, I'm so thankful that we are part of a church that finds value in both those sides. Because sometimes people just find value in loving the world, which is great. And sometimes there are people who find value in loving, like our local community, loving the 409, which is wonderful. But I'm so thankful that we are part of a church that sees the value in both of those things and that we get to put them together to do great, great things with and for the Lord. You know, a lot of times when I talk about our missionaries, I get to say thank you from them. Thank you guys for supporting the missionaries. Thank you for giving every month. And I often will throw out a number. Uh, there's 160 missionaries that we support every month. It's actually 161 because if you remember, we sent somebody a couple of weeks ago. So 161 missionaries that every month you guys are a part of supporting and keeping on the field. But I know that those numbers, like, that's just a number, right? So I thought I would break it down a little bit and tell you a little bit about our missionaries. We have missionaries in 55 countries that do work for the Lord. Of those missionaries, the 161 is actually 424 people. But that does not include a lot of the organizations that we support where they have many people working with them. Missionaries come in all shapes and sizes. We have 134 little missionaries. They're called children. And they're part of families that are serving around the world. I did some research to figure out, like, how long, like, who's our longest missionary? We have four that tie. 1987. And so they've been on the field for 33 years during the work of the Lord. And then we have 22 organizations right here in Toledo, in the 419, that we support that are doing missions every day, every week, every month here in Toledo. And as a church, every month, $17,000, over $17,000 is given, but that's what we need to support our missionaries, to send the funds to them so that they can keep doing the work. In last year, $499,000 was given by people at Calvary to do the work here and around the world. That's amazing. <laughs> Guys, we're a thousand short, okay? So somebody this year, <laughs> somebody. In addition to all of our full-time missions that we're involved in and that we're doing, Calvary has a deep history of short-term mission trips. Has anyone here ever been on a mission trip, whether it's been with Calvary or somewhere else? Raise your hand proudly a lot of hands. That is awesome. In the last 20 years, Calvary has taken over 26 mission trips, which has taken 356 people around the world to see the work that the Lord's doing. You know, one of my favorite things about short-term missions, it's, I mean, the work that we do when we're there is, is great. The relationship that we build with the missionaries is wonderful. But the thing that I love is seeing the work that the Lord does in us when we go. And you know, I'm a product of a short-term mission trip. I went on two of them when I was in youth, 
And I know that that began to lay the foundation, which then turned into 13 years of being a full-time missionary, which then turned into working at a local church. And so short-term missions is so important because it so often lays the foundation and the calling for people who are in full-time ministry, whether it's being a missionary in another country or doing work here in our city or working at a church. And so that's what missions is. And that's what missions looks like here at Calvary. Um, now we're going to look and see why do we as a church, like why are we passionate about this? Earlier this year and then again this last week, Pastor Chad talked about the roots. The roots of the tree are vision tree. And these roots are what give us anchor, that hold us strong. They're the things that help us to uh, kind of act like a filter that we can run things through, uh, help us to keep our focus, to give us direction. And so we're going to use those roots and then talk about missions to see how that applies to who we are here at Calvary. And so the first root is God first. And so we're going to read Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you. If you're a follower of Christ, you know that keeping God first in your life will bring many blessings, because when we obey him, he's able to bless us. Have you ever seen some of these blessings in your life? Let's talk about a few of them. His word promises us that we'll have protection. And so Psalms 91, 1 through 2, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadows of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So when we put God first, when we trust in him, he is our protection. Have you ever seen protection in your life? Seen it acting? It makes me even think how often I hear stories of people who know, not only have they seen the hand of God save them from a situation, maybe even physically, in a car accident or from a disease, but how often we know that the Lord has guided our path to keep us from those things that we never had to come across. Peace. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Do you remember the last time that you were in a situation that you couldn't control and then peace came flooding into that room or came flooding over you? He gives you peace. He directs our path. Psalms 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Man, is anyone else thankful for a Lord that directs your path? For a Lord that tells you uh, what you should do next? or guides you, directs you, opens doors, and closes doors. I am so thankful for a God who guides our path. And then lastly, provision. There's lots of them, but we're going to end with provision. <laughs> provision, Philippians 4:19, And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Jesus Christ. Time and time again, he gives us exactly what we need and exactly when we need it. Um, I often struggle with wanting what I think I need before I need it. And so I'm thankful that we have a God who gives us exactly what we need when we need it. When God is first in our lives and we experience these blessings, wouldn't the natural reaction, we would, I would think the natural reaction would be that we would want to like scream it from the rooftop, right? We can, uh, we can all leave here, we'll head down, go up the elevator, 
climb up the little trap door to the roof and we can shout it from the top of the building. Look at what the Lord has done. He is so good. He is so faithful. And that might seem like a little bit much, right? Like, uh, I'm not, I don't want to go on the roof. It's, it's a long trip. But maybe, maybe it would give us inclination. Maybe it would challenge us to at least want to share it with those who we're close with, those that we love. But sometimes that can be even more uncomfortable than sharing it with those that you don't even know. And I'm not, I'm not asking you to be a crazy person. I don't want you to be the person at the gas station, you know, when you're pumping your gas and the person at the next pump wants to just keep talking to you. And you're, I'm just trying to pump my gas. And I'm not suggesting that we go stand on the street corners and yell at everybody. But what scripture is calling us to do is to live a missional lifestyle. And what does that look like? It can be overwhelming when we think of a missional lifestyle. So the first thing that we would do in a missional lifestyle is to pray. And that's simply asking God to be an active part of your day, to put him first in your day and allow him to direct your path, to bring you across maybe other people who need to know more about him that day, to allow you to have divine conversations with people that you never could have planned or never could have dreamed of. And second, he's asking us to live, to be a part of our community, to get involved. And it's not about being social. It's not about trying to fill your calendar, but it's about being a light in your community, joining teams, meeting your neighbors, expanding your circle, and not being afraid to befriend people who need a friend. And then number three, I think he's calling us to talk. And I know that for some of us, that might be something we don't do a lot, but you can take baby steps. Start, start starting conversations. Start asking questions. Uh, maybe find a few questions that you're really comfortable with. Simple things like, where are you from? Or what's your dream vacation? Where would you go if you had $1,000? And start having those conversations. Start making yourself comfortable with talking with people. Find ways to move those conversations towards God. And so maybe you start finding ways to move conversations to places where you can share about what the Lord is doing in your life or things that the Lord has done in your life and use those conversations to be a light for him. And so look at where God has placed you and look at the people that he's put around you. This is your mission field. And so when we put God first, it leads us to our next group, which is people are the priority. And all through scripture, we see when God over and over makes people his priority. And a great example that he gives for us, the greatest example, is John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's a pretty big people are the priority move, don't you think? He gave his only son so that we, the people, could have eternal life. And there's all kinds of verses through scripture. Jeremiah 29:11. I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Isaiah 41.10, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. 1 Peter 5.7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Over and over again, people are always God's priority, and it is our job to follow suit. And this is why missions is so important to us as a church. And you know, we can think about the people who uh, we reach, the people who missionaries are reaching, and all the places that the gospel has gone. 
but there are still so many places where people have never had a chance to hear the name of Jesus. And in the missions world, we call those unreached people groups. And I wanted to define it for us because it's kind of a, it's kind of a, big, a big thought process, unreached people groups. What does that look like? It's an ethnic group without an indigenous, self-propagating Christian church that has enough Christians to evangelize the rest of the nation. I can remember hearing stories of missionaries who go to countries and say, we got there, we've done our research, we've talked with people, and there's one Christian. There's two Christians. Maybe there's three Christians. But that doesn't make enough to form a church that can reach the entire nation. And so we find a lot of places that still have unreached people groups. There's a lot of them. We cannot talk all about all of them right now, so we're just going to talk about one area. This is the 10, for, well, this is the world first. <laughs> and the orange part here, this is what we call the 1040 window. It is this space of land that is between latitudes that call it the 1040. In this space, it is one-third of the land of like the land of the earth, but two-thirds of all the people of the world live inside that orange box. That's a very crowded orange box. And it reaches from North Africa through the Middle East and to Asia. It includes a majority of the world's Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists. Experts say that 61% of the people are unreached, which is 3.12 billion people. 3.12 billion. That is a lot, a lot of people. And if people are the priority, if people are God's priority, and then because of our heart for God, they become our priority, how can we sit and do nothing about this? How can we let unreached people groups go unreached? And so that's one of the reasons why as a church we are passionate about funding missionaries who are able to take the Lord's word to these places. You know, it's, it's easy to look at a map and to say, well, like, there's nothing I can do. That's very far away. The 1040 window is not in Michigan. It is <laughs> very far from here. But a couple years ago, I was talking to a lady she led a after-school Bible club at one of the mommy schools, and we as a church had started partnering with that uh, school, doing different things for the teachers and for the students. And so as I talked with her and as we learned more about this Bible club and what the kids were being taught, she told me about a particular student. He had been coming for a couple of months and had completed some of the different uh, tasks or assignments that they had, and his gift, his reward, was a Bible. And so they awarded him a Bible, and they told him how to use it, and it, he was sent home with it. The teacher was hopeful, obviously, that he would read it, that he would engage with God's Word, but also that the family would engage with God's Word. Uh, she had not met his family before, but she knew that sending God's Word home and praying over it, like, it was like planting a seed in that family's life. A couple of months later, she was out running errands, uh, doing the things that she needed to do that day, and at a particular business that she was at, she started just chatting with one of the employees while she waited, and through a series of conversations, of niceties, and just talking with each other, she figured out pretty quickly that the boy who went home with the Bible, this employee was his mom. And so as they began to talk about this Bible and it coming home to their, to their family, the employee, the mom, started talking about how much their family had loved reading this book. 
and how the whole family was reading this book. And every night before bed, the mom and the dad and the kids, they would read this book together. And the thing that struck the lady who ran the Bible study, and as she told me this story, was that this family had never heard of Jesus. This family had never been to church. This family had never had someone tell them who Jesus was. And this family lived like just over there, like through the parking lot, across the street. This family lived right here in Maumee. And when she told me this story the first time when we talked about it, I thought to myself, like, how, how does that happen? Because I drive through Maumee, I spend time here, and to go from one place to another, you'll pass a church and another church and another church and another church, and you go around the corner and then there's four more churches. And so I thought, how does this family who lives here in Maumee, how have they never heard of Jesus? And so although we talk about the 1040 window and 3.12 billion people, which is a huge number, there are families right here in Maumee who have never had a chance to hear. And so that's why not only is loving the world so important, but loving the 419 is just as important because there's unreached people everywhere we go. And so we have to choose to allow missions to be the focus of our life. We have to choose to live a missional lifestyle. We have to choose to make people the priority. And it's not always easy, but it's something that we can choose to do every day. So God is first, and if we make people the priority, it leads us to our next route. Healthy things grow. I've mentioned the next scripture we're going to read already, but when you talk about missions, it tends to come up a lot. It's the Great Commission. It's the group of verses that, the, that Jesus gave to the disciples right before he left, and it's kind of the essence of what missions is. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Making and growing healthy things takes work. Making a disciple doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen like on one Saturday afternoon. Making disciples requires us to invest our lives in other people. A disciple is simply someone who believes in Jesus and is choosing to seek and follow him more and more each day of his life. It's more than just showing up at church once a week. When we're discipling, we're learning and we're growing. And you know, this idea of making, of healthy things grow, I started thinking about this um, as we were kind of going through the roots, and a lot of um, my life has been spent living with other people or traveling. Uh, when I did missions, I very often didn't have my own home, and so I've slept in a lot of people's spare rooms and different places, and so it's not conducive to owning houseplants. So I never really had houseplants. I think my mom had them when we grew up. I don't really remember. But because of that, I've never really been able to hone my green thumb. So a couple years ago, I started trying. I, it's not gone very well. Um, I've bought some of those plants where the tag says, like, for beginners. I've killed them all. Some of them that say, like, indestructible. I have destroyed them. And so I've not had a chance to really kind of grow this skill. So a few weeks ago, uh, I said to James, 
I need ferns for my front porch. I love a good fern, guys. They're so nice to look at. They're easy, right? That's what I've been told. They're easy to take care of. So we bought some ferns. We've had them out. They've looked lovely for most of the summer. Um, I've tried to be really consistent with, like, watering them and taking care of them. I talk to them, you know, just how do I make this thing healthy and how do I make it grow? And then a couple of weeks ago, well, a couple days ago, I started noticing that the one fern, he doesn't look so good. He's kind of dying, I think. I'm not really sure what happened. We've been more busy the last few weeks. I think my, like, watering game has failed miserably. And so he's getting kind of brown. There's like a lot of empty spaces. And I, I don't know that we can bring him back. I'm not really sure. And I, I you know, I, I give them water. I don't know if there's such a thing as fern food. Marilyn, Marilyn Joyner, anyone? Maybe he needs fern food. I don't know. And I'm not sure that we can bring him back. And, I, and it made me wonder, like, can you even keep these things alive? Like, maybe they're just a plant that hangs out in the summer. Maybe that's all they're good for. I, I love them, but maybe that's, maybe it's the end of his life. And then I realized, I was informed, I was taught that you can keep ferns very healthy, and they can grow. And a very good friend of mine, she gifted me a beautiful fern, and this is what the fern looks like that she gave me. It's gigantic, you guys. I mean, do you see how beautiful it is? Look at those green branches. She has been caring for this fern. She has made it a healthy fern. It has grown so wonderfully. I'm a little nervous that come this time next year, it will look like the other one. I probably won't bring it up in the next time I preach in case it doesn't look very nice. But you can invest and you can give time and you can care and you can nurture and you can grow really beautiful ferns. And this is what it's like when we disciple people. It's not, it's not an easy process. It takes time. It takes investing in people's lives. And making a disciple, it's kind of like growing a Christian. And so we need to plant the seed. And if they haven't already heard or they don't know about the Lord, introduce them to Christ, to what he did on the cross for them, and help them to make that next step. And then we've got to add some water. Teach them to obey all that God has commanded us. And then we have to make sure to give them enough light. Help them to learn how they can be more and more like Jesus. And so we have talked about the importance of missions because God is first. We've talked about the importance of missions because people are the priority. And we've talked about the importance of missions because healthy things need to grow. So now we're going to talk about the last route. We get to do this. Guys, this is a great adventure. The promise of eternal life, like look at your family. Everyone, turn around. Look at your family. These are great people. What we get to do as Christians in our Christian family is amazing. And because of that, we have a father who never leaves us, who never forsakes us, and we have the hope that the world is looking for. We have Jesus. And so we're called to live in such a way that our light is always shining. Matthew 5 14 through 16. You are a light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and give it to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When we look in the book of Philemon, Paul talks about how much our relationship can grow 
when we are actively sharing with others. Philemon 1.6, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. If you notice here, Paul didn't say like, after you become a mature Christian, and if you've you know, like learned all the Bible verses, and you know the song that sings all the books of the Bible in order, then, then you can share with others about Christ. No. He says, share your faith so that you will understand all that we have in Christ. And so it doesn't take like a a super Christian. It doesn't take someone who has all the answers. It just takes someone who is willing to invest in people and to, to share their story, to share what the Lord is doing in their life. When we live a missional life, we are getting ready to experience all that God has for us. And so when we look at missions through that filter, through those, through those roots, it brings us back to what this week is. It's our missions week. And this week, we will have seven missionaries who are joining us, all coming from the continent of Africa, and they are dedicating their lives to making people the priority. And so we have a couple different ways that you can be a part of this this week. On Tuesday at 7 p.m., you can tune in online. We're going to have a time where we get to know our missionaries. We are ask questions, hear about the work they're doing, um, learn about the ways that God is currently using them in the, in the areas that they're at. And then on Friday, September 25th, at 7 p.m., we will meet here at Calvary. So we have one online event and one in-person event. You can sign up online at ToledoCalvary.org to reserve your space for Friday night. But we're going to journey through the building and hear from our missionaries and learn about different aspects of missions that sometimes we don't get to talk about uh, in a short service or when we have a little bit of time with them. And so that's going to be our journey for Friday night. I hope that you will join us and learn more about what missions looks like on the other side of the world. I'm excited to be able to spend the week with them as they're here so that we can not only get to hear about the things that the Lord has done, but believe with them for what is to come in the future for their work. It's a, it's a time where we can pause, and it's a time where we can reflect on the things that the Lord has for us to do. There's a lot of work to be done, both here and around the world. And as we wrap up tonight, I want to give you four things that you can put into practice right now that can help you to have a missional lifestyle. The first one is to educate yourself, to read articles listen to podcasts or messages, and to meet missionaries. Learn about what is happening in our world, not only uh, what's happening maybe like in governments and things that are affecting the world, but learn about the things that the Lord is doing. Learn about the ways that he is moving around the world. You can give. Each month there is an army of people here at Calvary who give to financially fund an army of people who are making a difference around the world. You can give online, or you can um, give in your offering when you put it in the boxes around the building. I challenge you, ask God what he would want you to give, and make that commitment between you and God. You can go. The need is everywhere. Ask God where you should go. Stay tuned in. We are going to be talking about mission trips for our upcoming year and ways that we can go and make a difference around the world. 
But if that's not where you are at this season of life or it's not uh, feasible, you can go every day here in the 419. We have adopted schools and meals that we serve every, every month, and we would love for you to join our team. Most importantly, you can pray. Today on your way out, we have a card for you, and it has all 161 of our missionaries on it. I would encourage you to take one. Uh, when you leave the building, right before you're going out, people will be handing them out for you, to you. But take it and put it somewhere that you'll remember to pray. Stick it maybe in your Bible or in a journal. I'm thinking like I'll hang mine like on my rearview mirror in my car. I spend a lot of time in my car. Maybe put it by the bathroom mirror when you're getting ready. You can like brush your hair, pray for a missionary. Brush your hair, pray for a missionary. But keep them in your prayers everywhere they go and everything they're doing, they need to be covered in prayer. In this season, I feel like I've heard more conversations about is the end of the world coming? And nobody knows when that will be. No one knows the day or the hour except for the Father. But the other reality is that if the end of the world is coming near and the Lord is coming back, how much more intentional should we be about living a missional life? There's a lot of things happening in our lives right now, and we don't always have time to stop and to pause and to listen. Today, as the worship team plays, I want to ask you to stay right in your seats and to close your eyes and to spend a few minutes with God. And there's three things I want to challenge you. Is he asking you to live a missional life right here in the 419, to make small changes that allow you to make a big impact Is he challenging you to give in new ways that will allow others to go? Or maybe he's stirring your heart for a nation that is waiting for someone to come and to be the light. We serve a living and active God, and he is always ready to lead us and to guide us. He's usually just waiting for us to listen. So let's spend a few minutes listening today. Lord, I thank you that you are right here in this place. Lord, I thank you that you speak so clearly. And when we listen, Lord, there's never any doubt in the things that you're calling us to do. Lord, I pray that you would be with us in this place, that you would meet us, Lord God, and that you would speak. In Jesus' name.
Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you that you died on the cross for our sins, but not just for the sins of people here in Toledo, for the sins of the people all around the world. Lord God, I thank you that you have called people and equipped people to go to places that we will never get to go, that they are ministering in places where our feet will never set foot. And Lord, we pray right now that you put your hand upon them, that you just give them favor wherever it is that they go with whoever it is that they're interacting with, and that you empower them and equip them to do great and mighty things in the name of Jesus. Lord, for us here in this room, as we go about our day, as we go about our week, as we go about our lives, I pray that you help us to have a burden for people who are lost and dying without the knowledge that could save them for all eternity. And that is the knowledge of Jesus, the knowledge of you, Father. Lord God, help us to have a burden for our community. I pray that you give us divine appointments to make impacts where it matters, where it counts, in our day-to-day lives, in our day-to-day interactions. Lord God, equip us and open, open our eyes to people around us who are hurting and who need you. And Lord, we ask that you bless your people. God, I ask that you do a wonderful thing through them. I pray that they leave this place with more love and joy and peace than they had when they came in. And it is in the name of Jesus we ask these things and prayed. And all God's people said, amen and amen.